and welcome back to Old School. Today we're going to be in the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual classes, and our teacher is Jake Thomas, founder of Life Like Jake. Jake is originally from New Orleans and has a passion for personal service that stems from being a United States Marine, my favorite branch. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Life Like Jake, where he derives the ultimate satisfaction of serving others and helping them achieve the goals of health, happiness, and wealth. Uh, we follow one another on social media and uh, a story where you are particularly transparent and raw kind of drew my attention and why I asked you to come today. So I want to welcome you to Old School. Thanks so much, Michelle. It's great to be here, finally. Thank you. <laughs> so my intent with Old School is, as we were talking before, um, is understanding people's stories and how they walked their journey and achieved and then maintained physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And um, I believe that you probably and some people around you uh, imagine that a lot of how you were living before you made some changes um, was like a status of success. It, that was what you were allowed to do. You were making money, you were succeeding. So doing all those things and plowing into whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever it might be, um, everybody around you kind of probably considered that, you know, you're right. And that's just kind of how the culture was going is we're all, you know, sure we get to do this because we've worked hard to get here. So what I would be curious about and whatever you're willing to share is where, you know, you got to there. And then we can talk about how you took the first steps getting out of all of that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> book about it, so. Uh, I so bet. Was, and I'm sorry, it doesn't have to be like, you know, I was born, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's, 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 we're telling an adventure, you know, and every time I get to talk about it, it's, it's more purging for me. It's more healing. It's more cleansing. It's more letting go, you know, so it's, a, it's a good smudge fest. So I don't mind. Um, really started from when I was getting out of the military and really when I got out, um, I felt lost. I didn't really know it at the time, but being a Marine gave me a huge sense of identity. And when I did not have that any longer, I felt without it, I really felt the void from not having it. What was my mission? What was my purpose? What was I supposed to do? I didn't know. I, I'd planned on staying there for life uh, in the core. I never felt like a family or camaraderie or brotherhood or an ethos and believed in something so adamantly as I did then be it agreed with the reasons of war or not. It was just the the fraternity, the brotherhood, the mission that I was very, very much tied to. And then when I left, yeah, I didn't know I was going to feel that so greatly, the separation. And for the better part of 15 years uh, since discharge, I'd been looking for something. And throughout that process of looking, there was depression, anxiety, Misery, uh, self-loathing, inferiority, doubt, pain, anger, all kinds of adverbial extremes, uh, many of which are in the negative sense, but all of it stemming from just confusion and not feeling a sense of self or purpose, uh, individuality. And so I took it out on the world around me. I took it out of myself. I was punishing myself. I was angry and all those kind of things that I listed before. And so that got me into alcohol a lot. I worked at a bar when I first got out of the Marine Corps. It was perfect. 
is to Matt's me, I was like, Matt in charge of dynamite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like I can drink eight nights a week. It's normal. It's accepted behavior. I have all the friends. I'm able to feed the habit very easily. It was perfect. And it was well camouflaged because it was cool. It was acceptable. It was in, it was college. So I realized all these guises then to be able to mask my own issues that I was dealing with, with smiles and, and just fun. But that didn't do it and went off into another sector of business in the oil field. And my use with drugs, hard drugs got more and more frequent and became extremely regular and then more than regular. And uh, again, being on the road or rather offshore for weeks, sometimes months at a time and having lots of cash and plenty of money and a lot of, a lot of success financially without college degrees and money was really good and working in the oil field can be really awesome when flow is right. And it was then, but I had so much time off, so much money and not the responsibility, not the maturity, just not the right headspace to handle it and deal with it all. And was recklessly spending, was recklessly fornicating, was recklessly consuming all over the place because I just was still running from myself. I was still not sure of who I was, what I was trying to do, still looking for that that purpose, still looking for that, that identity that I had in the past. And I was trying to find another one or something to replace it. And I couldn't. So I consumed, 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 discarded, wasted, whatever it took, whatever was in my path, you know, people, places, things, relationships for sure, et cetera. And thinking that, you know, I'd cover some ground or I'd make two steps forward, then come five steps back by way of a new person coming into my life and bringing some positivity and bright light. And then I'd still regress back into my cave, so to speak. Found myself in New York in school. Again, finally, kind of a last ditch effort to, to get an undergraduate diploma. And I did successfully, thank God. But I was back to even worse habits now, or not, I should say back to worse habits. I was back to my habits and then got worse because of convenience, means, resources. Oh yeah. Readily, readily availability, immediate availability. Oh my God. Manhattan, you can have anything delivered at any time. 24 hours, right? I mean, the city that never sleeps. (laughs) But man, did I really find that out in a good way or bad way? Uh, Food, drugs, women, stuff, anything you want. I was like, oh my God, this is like Christmas. So, (laughs) you know, after long enough time of doing that and running my my head into the wall enough times over and over and over. There are two things that really kind of brought me to a level of awareness that I was just, this is not sustainable. And it's probably the thing I wasn't even worried. I wasn't even worried about dying or life. I was worried about prison or getting arrested, (laughs) like way, way worse than I was concerned about dying. Cause my thing with death was whatever. If I die, I won't know anyway. It's not going to matter who cares me being that selfish thinking who cares what my family thinks who cares how much they're going to mourn my loss but didn't care about it i just didn't want to go to jail and i remember my brother being in law school at the time this is when i was still working in the oil field and he was like coming home one day and he would always tell me about what he had been learning and i was fascinated by it because i thought it was so cool my little brother's gonna be a lawyer awesome and he's an amazing one now and he would come back and be like, Hey, what would you learn today? It's like, Oh, this or that, this or that talking about this case or this legislation, whatever. And he's like, man, today we were talking about mandatory sentencing with uh da, 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 da. I was like, Oh, cool. Tell me about it. So in Louisiana, possession of a firearm along with a controlled dangerous substance or a CDS like cocaine carries a mandatory 10 year sentence mandatory. So if you have a firearm 
plus a CDS like cocaine and you're arrested. Mandatory 10-year sentence. That's where it starts, the minimum. That's not saying if you had over a certain amount of cocaine on top of that. That's not saying if you were under the influence while driving, either through alcohol or drugs or narcotics. That's not saying you didn't hit someone or something, but the minimum of 10 years. And I was like, wow, how many years I've been driving around with bags on me of narcotics and a firearm always on me because I was always carrying in New Orleans for years, every day, years, and driving around wasted, blasted on booze, yayed out of my mind on blow or, or ecstasy or MDMA, whatever, stimulant, and always with a firearm for years. Not once? Stopped? I was stopped many times, but not once cited or otherwise having to reap, uh, rather face the consequences. Wow. And they um, didn't get, that didn't get your attention. I guess not. <laughs> you know, um, I, I guess it was more like, Hey, I got away again, but you know, like, like the coyote in the road runner, like me, me, can't catch me. <laughs> how stupid, how, how yeah. deluded, you know, delusional rather my, my mind was in the thinking that it won't happen to me, but it's that simple. Like you get that thwarted in your, cerebral to think like, yeah, you're untouchable or nothing's going to happen to you, blah, 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 blah. But when my brother told me that this was years into this and I was like, God, maybe this is finally a good enough whack on the head. Cause it's coming from my baby brother telling me that. And it was, did he know about your drugs and stuff? Uh, at the time? Not, not to the extent at all. I mean, like we were honest with each other. He knew what I was doing, but certainly not to the level I was doing it. Certainly not to the, uh, amount of reckless abandon that I had with it in doing such. But that was a big wake up call, but it still wasn't enough because once I got to New York and I got rid of my vehicle, now I was like, Oh, no more vehicle. So huh. no more driving, no more hey. drinking and driving. No hey, can I take it for walking under the influence? <laughs> yeah. And, and no more guns. Cause I'm in New York city. So I was like, well, that just eliminated the whole CDS problem and with firearm. Great. So now it's just CDS. Cool. I can just throw that somewhere if I need to. That was my logic. And um, that stayed that way for a long time, for years again, until one day I woke up in my uh, condo face down in an elevator threshold with the door closing on me, like, and vomit all over the place. And it was like, I don't know, 730 in the morning. I had no idea how I got there. I had no idea how long I'd been there, who had walked past me in the building, blah, 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 blah. And my phone was, you know, a thousand messages, many of them from the girl I was dating at the time. I can't believe you did this, blah, 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 blah. No violence, no terrible things done to another human being, just embarrassing of myself, her, us, other people, friends of ours at this party. But it was just like in that moment of waking up and your vomit, and I think I might have pissed myself too, I forget. But I was like, who, who are you, man? Like, this was funny when you were 15, you know? Maybe it was still funny when you were 20. Kind of. It was still funny when you're 25. Like it was still funny when you're 30. Or no, it wasn't that late. But now, <laughs> yeah, it's you're like, I'm not that young anymore. This isn't that cool. Was it ever cool in the first place? And where does it go from here? So kind of in that haze of whatever misery that I was in and just kind of looking up and seeing the lights and what's going on? I have this shit all over me, you know, and <laughs> Like, piss my I mean, I'm not laughing. I'm laughing out of, I, you know, I, 
I've gotten home and my car has been parked in such a way that I was like, how did that happen? I wanted the security camera tapes so bad. Oh, I can't um, even imagine. I, I, would, I, I, would, I literally told them, I was like, I'll pay y'all a thousand dollars for these things. And they wouldn't give them to me. I was trying to butter up to the, the maintenance guy. I was like, dude, I'll give you a thousand bucks in cash for that tape, you know, for the file, whatever it was. He's like, okay, man, I'll lose my job. I was like, come on, man, a thousand dollars. Cause I wanted to see it. I wanted to see how pathetic I was, right? To laugh. Maybe it's better I didn't see it. Yeah. Cause if you'd have brushed it off, if you'd have found some reason yeah. to call it funny. Yeah. And then, then it's a highlight reel. Right. Right. As opposed to, you know, a lesson learned that I'll never get to see. And maybe it's for the better. So those were the two big points. My brother kind of giving me the information about having narcotics with the firearm and then waking up the way I did in the elevator that morning and then kind of just, from there began this uh, long, hard crawl through the mud, back up to my elbows, back up to all fours, hunched over walking clumsily like a wounded deer to trying to learn locomotion and walking to running gait and then finally picking up uh, speed and coordination again to be able to run. And that's where, that's what either got me to where I am today. And so about how old were you then? Um, I guess 2017, so not that long ago. Oh, not that long ago. 30, 31, 32. And your competitions have been since then? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So not just a little recovery, at least physically, some a really, like, you're all in. Is that your personality? It um, seems like it. Very much so in many in many ways, yeah. It's like the um the way you do anything, the was the way you do everything. Yeah. yeah. And for me, for sure, it's uh, obsession over good things. Is rather here's this is one of my keys to mindset, or what I would say is many people's keys to mindset. If you can see the parallel of being an addict or an over consumer or hyperly, you know, cons uh, consuming person to something or having X personality. Just shift that focus to something else. You're a drug addict, you're a gambling addict, you're a sex addict, you're, you do too much of work. It's fine. It's just energy. It's just misappropriated energy. It's not that you're a terrible person. It's not that you have any disease or something. It's just misappropriated energy. Luckily for you, you have that energy. You just don't know what to do with it. And you're sending it out in wrong places like me. I was, I was a great junkie, great junkie. I was a great spender of nope, material. You're not going to do anything if you're not going to do it well. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'm going to be the life at the party. I'm going to have all the goodies. I'm going to have all the girls. I'm going to have all the cool stuff. But it didn't bring anything here. So first thing I learned was like, this energy is not going away. Don't try to push down on it like it's a freaking, you know, oil well that you're trying to hold down because you're not. Because it's just going to siphon itself out and frack off the sides and go somewhere else, or it's going to just settle and then come back for, you know, come back later, let it out, just let it out in a different way. I became obsessed with exercise. I became obsessed with my health. I became addicted to my mind. I became addicted to reading. I became it to physical and spiritual nutrition, to my family, to my habits, to my health, to my personal growth and development. Yeah. Like, like, but keep the same, Addictive behavior and personality, if you want to call it that, and just repurpose it. So that's a what lot I of did. People, 
get wiggy about stuff like that, like because over over you know consumption, like people get body jacked up in bodybuilding and things like that when they go overboard the other way. But but I think that the likelihood of somebody doing that, um, you know, because like you said, just getting you your energy repurposed, that's what we do to kids. And if yeah. you think about it, that's being staying stuck in that mindset. When you tell a little kid no all day long, that isn't how you're going to help them. You need to redirect them. They, if you don't want them to do that thing, you say, we're going to go do this thing instead. And that's the better you know, route. Otherwise, you're just going to be you know, crazy as a parent. Well, I think it's the same way, like you said. I think if we, instead of saying that we're just going to take away all your drugs and alcohol and make you somehow knuckle it out, that's just, that has never worked in the history of humans. That has never worked. <laughs> just sit there and let it bleed. See how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and especially, okay, maybe it does if we shove somebody at a facility, but as soon as they leave it, they're now down 10 grand and they're back where they started. So. That's, that's very, uh, that's a cheap and really deal a hell of a deal with the facility. I'd love <laughs> Love to know where that facility is, Michelle. And uh, <laughs> there's a couple here in Arizona, but maybe that's why they're not. They have repeat business. <laughs> yeah, how long of a stay gets you ten grand? Because that's <laughs> six weeks, that's, something like that. <laughs> that's a screaming deal. Did you go to some place, or did you? How did you? Uh, do this? How I've did been, you? I've been to outpatient, but I've helped people deal with inpatient, and yeah, ten grand is like. <laughs> It's usually like a deposit or like a, yeah, we're interested. All right. A retainer. Cool. Here's, your, here's your, here's your blood prick to say, we'll start, you know, like a 10% deposit or something like that. For your journey, did you go somewhere or how did, how did, how did that culminate for you? I did. I went to a couple of different places. Um, I went to a private uh, outpatient clinic in New York through NYU and I went to uh, the VA and they combined forces and I was able to go to both uh, congruently, which is awesome. And it mattered. I didn't uh, do a lot of group stuff though. I did mostly all individual work and just, again, it became like a, uh, a competition for me. And this is, here's another tool or another skill or another uh, way that I, that I used what I had as a skill set or what I had as a familiarity to put this to work. I took my competitiveness my like of being an athlete, my seeing this as like a game and like a competition. And I said, I'm going to be the best at this. I'm going to do this awesome. I'm going to prepare impeccably. I'm going to have a meticulous attention to detail. I'm going to be before on, I'm not going to be on time. I'm going to be 30 minutes early. You know, I'm going to stay up late. I'm going to be the first guy in the last one. out. like, I was like Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Serena Williams, the rock, LeBron James, like whoever I could think of and act like in that sense towards my preparation with this was how I saw the likelihood of my success resulting in the way I wanted to feel. And that I'm mean, clearly that worked for you. Yes. Or do you feel like there were some, um, some things about that, that maybe overdrove? I think it could work for anybody like that. I think that's the whole, I don't want to call it a trick, but it's literally just, you know, Victor Frankl, famous Holocaust survivor talking about the last human freedom we have is, is how we choose to respond to any given stimulus, any given stimulus. And for him to say that, considering what he went through, it's like, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, we can all do the same thing where we choose to see or have perspective. It's like a flashlight beaming light. 
And if it's beaming there and you just turn it this other way, like all of a sudden that's dark and all this is now lit. Right. So if I want to look at this as like, okay, this is me having to go through this program, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's, I can totally look at it like that. And where's that going to get me? Or I can be like, all right, we're preparing for the Super Bowl. This is what I'm going to do. This is how hard I'm going to work. This is the system I'm going to put together. They've actually put the system together for me. But like, I was like, I want to see the program. I want to see the schedule because I want to prepare for it like it's a Super Bowl, like it's a mission, like it's something that I can literally get in a system to be able to go after. Like when you were in the military, there's a yeah. there's yeah, an there's order a, to things. Or if you're training for a, a big race or a marathon, there's a training plan, right? If you're trying to get to this goal, because we do not rise to the levels of our goals, we fall to the strengths of our systems. How many people have lofty goals? I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to change this. I want to get her. I want to get job. What are you doing to do it? What's your method of preparation like? What specificity have you laid out for yourself as far as in maybe just like a smart acronym even? Yeah. And many people don't. And so I saw that right off the rip as like, we're going to get super specific. I'm going to have a hyperly acute singular focus on this and everything else is going to come second. Now it's kind of a good trade-off because, Hey, we're talking about my life here. So it should be the priority, right? And potentially uh, others life. I mean, you got extremely life. blessed to have made it that far in that behavior and not have killed yourself or others. Yep. Big time, big time. And like, there's me selfishly thinking still, right. Saying my life as opposed to thinking like other people, you know, but it's that focus. It's that just again, parallel of familiarity is what I'd call it. It's taking something that I know well, taking things that I have in the form of skill set or just understandings and applying them where I see fit based on my needs. And it's the same strategy that I've used for work, be it real estate, have no idea what I'm doing in real estate, never sold or studied or otherwise. And one day I just said, Hey, I'm going to leave my great paying salary, not great paying, but great salary position at big, huge fashion house with great benefits, awesome career path, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just going to go off into this 1099 independent contractor world because people said I could do it. Yeah. But applied the same thing there. Success. Left, came back, applied the same thing again. Success. Expanded business from New York to Miami, applied the same thing there. Success. Start totally new business, finally formalizing coaching. Applied the same thing there. Success. Leaving real estate because coaching is now full-time, taking over my life, paying for everything, supporting me, making me happy, comfortable, feeling wholesome. Apply the same thing there. Success. So it's not a secret. And I don't think it's unique to me. Anybody could do this. I'm not, I'm not uncommon. 10 fingers, 10 toes, bleed like you, breathe like you, cry like you. I think your comment about the parallel. I think that a lot of people spend time in their pity party about what they have to give up or what they might have to do instead of taking an assessment and saying, you know, what do, what do I bring to the table and how do I take those steps to get to that thing, to that goal, to that person, to that relationship. And we come 
with a certain set of skills and gifts, but like we're developing those as we're moving along too. You develop some in the military that you then were able to apply in the same way. And I was that way about academia. I So when I go after something, I tackle it very type A personality. And, you know, like you said, it's a single focus. I'm, I, you know, and I have my list and I, I need to check it off. Sometimes I'll even put things on there just so I can check them off. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, well, that's awesome. And I think that's awesome that the VA, I, we hear so many, you know, sad reports and what have you, but you feel like that was a great combination for you as far as helping you walk out of there. I mean, I can't speak for, you know, other people. I can only speak <laughs> for myself. And I have nothing but good things to say awesome. about the system. Um, is it perfect? No. But for me to have anything be afforded to me is a gift, is very generous. Now, are there horror stories of people dealing with the system, the veteran, uh, the VA? Yes. Does a lot of it have to do with them being prescribed ridiculous amounts of prescription medications? Yes. Um, but I've been misdiagnosed, improperly diagnosed, all that, like over and over, over years. And we're talking about over claims and funds and and years. But still, I'm incredibly grateful because, again, the care that I'm afforded for free. You know, like the VA has a special asterisk above its first order of the Hippocratic Oath. Normally, with the Hippocratic Oath, it's, you know, the first statement is to do no harm. There's one that precedes that at the VA. It's not written there, but it's assumed and understood. It's don't let this person walk out of my office and kill himself. So how do you how do you go about diagnosing, servicing, and otherwise trying to heal people when, though I know my HIPAA says do no harm, before this person walks in, I'm thinking, if I don't do this right, she might walk out of here and take her life. If I don't do this right, he might walk out of here and take his life. That's got to be, that's a huge strain, you know? And then when you're talking about the amount of people that they're seeing every single day, how do you get specific with clients? You know, like sometimes the best thing you can do is like, is dope them up. I'm not saying that's what you should do. I don't condone it. I certainly didn't do it myself. But if you're seeing a hundred plus patients a day, as much as you want to get specific and properly put a plan to or put it in a proper plan to heal this person legitimately, sometimes saving their life is more important. And if that means having to numb somebody's mind out so that they don't walk off of a bridge, what's the trade-off? Who are who am I to say that that's right or wrong? I'm not saying that's what's thought of. This this could not even you know be in anybody's mind, but that's what I see. Right. That's how I see it. And that's why I have such not lenience, but just just Great. appreciate. Yeah, to the system because God knows they have the largest patient populace in the world. Mm -hmm. And they are overrun, they're understaffed, and they're they're trying to do a lot. And 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 maybe I don't know. It's it's kind of easy to get mad at them. Sure. I certainly have been, but but yeah, I'm very grateful for for what I've been afforded for sure. Well, and I would imagine, especially more recently because they didn't look at Vietnam and World War II and what or Korea the same way, but more like probably 80% of what they're seeing. I mean, yes, there are a lot of people who've had limbs blown off and, and physical actual injuries, but so much PTSD and so much uh, more mental 
that they're having to deal with. And as doctors, like you said, if they're if they're going to let you leave without killing yourself, you know, they got to be psychiatrists, you know, MD, they got to be all of it in one 15 minute, half hour session with you. Yeah. And then then on to the next one and then on to the next. Yeah. We had it. We definitely need to show grace. It's just difficult. I suppose for some people, if they're on the receiving end of the one that misses, you know what I mean? But you know, that can happen exponentially in the private sector as well. In fact, a lot, how many surgeries that are, you know, in unnecessary or misdiagnosed. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate that they, you know, have at least that as a core value and that you were able to uh, be a benefactor of that and that it is available for our yeah. veterans. I mean, we need something, some of the things in the system to work well in that regard, I think. Um, this is awesome, Jake. I appreciate your transparency. I mean, it's not anything I know that you haven't shown little glimpses of. On I, I, I don't see every story you put up and every post you put up, <laughs> but, um, but when you've put up like um, the pictures of where you were physically. And then, and it's kind of hard when you put up your competition picture. I have a competition picture. I competed in bodybuilding in my twenties and I I don't want to hold it up next (laughs) next to anything right now. But, but in any case, when you do that, that is quite dramatic actually. So I assume that that was at your worst, like possible physically, but anyway, that showed kind of like really dramatic physical transformation that you've walked yourself through um but like mentally emotionally spiritually i see you know that you do your reading you do some posts in regard to some of the things that you feel just as a person's character and how mentally they should carry themselves and um how where did you head in the physical process of getting off the addictions or moving the energy if you will um mentally emotionally and spiritually like what was your anchor during that time for those Mm, that's a that's a good question because it didn't just all happen right you know? right many people they see your photo right in competition they think wow she's got it all she's in great shape blah 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 but you have no idea the amount of work it took to get there sacrifice the dedication the commitment the repetition over and over you know the 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 monotonous the monotony of the process and I learned that really fast early on because I would have this one good day of where I got up and and had some, some thoughts before I got digital, meaning I just meditated a little bit, maybe sat there with myself, thinking about things, listening to my own mind, went into my exercise, came home, watched something really substantive and qualitative or a video or listened to a really good podcast about something. And, I just started having these little check marks of, of habits and within these check marks of habits of, of positive forward thinking habits and and things centered on self-actualization and Maslow's hierarchy of needs and just essentially personal growth and development. I started to feel better. I didn't know it was like this exact system that I was doing at the time because I was just kind of grabbing random things at will that felt good. Listen to this podcast, go to this event, go sit out on the water by yourself without any headphones in, eat some mushrooms and go on a walk in the forest, get connected more to nature, get in the water more often, 
read a book on XYZ, highlight while you're reading, re-highlight, re, you know, underline while you read to reread, write um, summaries on what you're reading, like all these little things that I would have never done that I hated as a kid that I would have despised doing throughout life that I started to focus on instead of going to the outside world. I was going into my world. Instead of thinking that I needed to go somewhere, I needed to do something or buy or is like the, the more that I went in here, the more I started to feel better because every bit of that investment was always green. There was never a diminishing return. There was never remorse or guilt or thinking it was a waste of time. Never. Even if it's a book I didn't like, even if it was going for a walk I didn't want to do, even if it was a workout I didn't want to do, even if it was a meditation I didn't want to do, never was there a regret. And mainly read, write, meditate, exercise, and stretch. I would say if that's the, the quick short list of things that's to find. Eliminating everything that you had been chasing before, which was external, which makes exactly. complete sense because I think that's when we're trying to fill up something internally that gives us that purpose or that sense of belonging. Um, people think of when you're by yourself that somehow you're alone, but you are with you and you are with your purpose and you are with what you you need to generate to find that meaning and to have that peace because I very rarely find anything outside of myself peaceful. <laughs> and especially nowadays, it's really crazy nowadays, but still other people's opinion does not take in the entirety of you. And so they're kind of irrelevant. I mean, I get it when somebody comes to you as a coach, you know, but you're going to sit down and you're going to go over things with them and you're going to find out who they are and how they tick so that you can make that plan with them. Um, so yeah, I, I can't imagine that, that the beauty of not having uh, any external stuff coming and getting in the way and you being able to have that time. I follow a, a Dr. Mindy Pels. She's uh, big in fasting and biohacking too. Um, and she talks about when you first get up in the morning, multiple things, but all the people, Dave Asprey, Greg, Gary Brecka, I'll talk about like getting that sunlight versus the digital and that time by yourself and doing your breathing and you with the stretching and stuff. And I think, you know, just if you let your first thoughts be positive and be inward, then that's going to set the tone for the day as opposed to going right to seeing that, you know, bombs are being dropped somewhere on your cell phone. So, yeah. oh, that's awesome. That's a great, um, you know, so that's kind of the structure when you sit down with others who really are kind of aimless. They've been trying their own stuff forever and now they come to you and you go over some core things first and then, you know, go from there. Well, even before that, I proceed it with, and regardless if you if you come to me with business needs, relationship needs, health needs, professional, personal, doesn't matter. First thing I'm gonna ask you, how's your diet, Michelle? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm here for business coaching. Okay, how's your diet? Because the single most effective thing we can do as human beings in regards to our health is controlling what we put into our mouths. And before my five habits or five parts of the routine, three things that I believe in to be the, the pillars of health in descending order, number one being detoxification, not what we consume, but rather what we omit in the form of 
how we ingest our mouths and our ears and our eyes, our noses, the environments, the people, anything. Second would be the nutrition. And third, the least important is exercise. Obviously, I'm a fan of exercise. I'm a professional exerciser, if you want to say that. But in the order of operations or the order of priorities in regards to health, it's the least important. Well, the other two, if they aren't completed, exercise may as well. I mean, a lot of people feel that way. Like if you don't sleep, stuff is, you know, you may as well just don't bother because all of that is like connect interconnected. But I understand exactly what you're saying. I, you know, I did the five top five layers of detox uh, to try and look at some cellular healing. I got um, a cancer scare. They thought it was ovarian cancer mm. and, um, or uterine, excuse me. And the fact of the matter was, is I don't believe after all was said and done that I was producing wasn't producing the right amount of estrogen, my body wasn't utilizing it because of things that I may have had in my diet. And if our cells aren't breaking down the nutrients we're taking in, well, you may as well just poop them on out. <laughs> it's it's irrelevant. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Toxic uh, load and and what the hearing and the uh, taking in and what we hear and what we see, just the oxidative stress and the anxiety that we put on our body is worse than probably alcohol, though alcohol isn't, you know, it's right in there. <laughs> it's without without that clarity from the cleanliness of the, the detoxification. You can't see your potential. Mm -hmm. You believe it. If you could see it, you can't get on the frequency to understand it and hear it because it speaks very, very softly. And it's very timid. And it only comes out when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there's all this noise and blah, 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 static, 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 static. This signal is so pure and so clean that it, it needs your full attention. It needs your full focus because it freaking deserves it. You're talking about the, the, the holy grail of vitality. Why do, you, why do you think, why do we think, are monks crazy for going on Talking fast, eating fast. What? No. It's <laughs> not just extreme sadistic forms of discipline. No, like we're talking about extreme happiness through isolation. Three things throughout history that have been used by the greatest thought leaders, intellectuals, Stoics, theologians, and otherwise to, to find elevated states of consciousness, to talk to God. Extended treks. Prolonged fasting and isolation, hmm. period, end of story, full stop. Example. Easiest one is probably the Bible with Jesus in 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. You go 40 days and 40 nights in the desert without food and water, you have earned the right to talk to God. Congratulations. <laughs> period. Now. And you, your clarity. Did you, actually, did you actually talk to God or did you feel like you were? Does it matter? <laughs> You you probably think you are 40 days and 40 nights, like back to the, the ovarian cancer. Like I, I have, diff, I don't want to say defended. I've gone against some hard lines regarding cancer in the form of like, oh, cancer, go on a 14 day dry fast, no more cancer. People think it's crazy. Well, Dr. Dr. Pels, who I was talking about before, she talks about that at 17 hours, you get into autophagy, which is where your cells are 
replacing themselves. You're booting out, you know, you're getting rid of the zombie cells, your, your cellular reproduction. And, um, she said that very thing, um, they ran a a couple of studies she talked about on breast cancer and the women who fasted versus the women who, and they put them on a reasonable diet. They weren't on the standard American diet. They put them on healthy to whatever degree, but the ones who fasted had a 60% less occurrence, reoccurrence than anybody else. And, it's so funny. People, when they hear the word fasting, they think they don't get to eat when they re- don't realize you just don't you don't eat less. You eat less often. And if they would get the understanding of it, I mean, yes, you do some calorie changes and stuff, too. But even if you ate the standard American diet and ate less often, you're going to make some big changes. <laughs> even when you water fast, it's con- it's tremendously beneficial. Don't get me wrong. Dry fasting is so impactful that a single day of dry fasting, you don't have to do anything. Just sit there. And what your body will go through, you're talking about the autophagy happening at 17 hours. It can in a dry fast. In a water fast, it's going to take longer, depending on especially what you're consuming beforehand before your body can really get into that ketogenic state and cause the autophagy, because otherwise it's still going to be grabbing all this surface glycogen and trying to break down that to create glucose takes time for some people to actually get into that stress to elicit the ketones to be produced from the liver. Because if you've been consuming a SAD or otherwise just high carbohydrate diet, it might take 24, 48. I've had it go as long as 96 hours for some people to, for them to act into ketosis because of how much glycogen we basically had to get through their bodies. And then their activity levels were also very low. That's why I love to say a keto diet does not equal ketosis. And for most people, more than most people, the overwhelming majority of keto dieters are never in ketosis. They've never been in ketosis. And by the way they eat and the frequency of which they eat at, they will never get into ketosis. Plus they think, um, like the old uh, Atkins, is they think that somewhere it said, I can eat all the fat and meat I want as long as I don't eat carbs. And I just... I don't understand even just just the basics of common sense of, you know, I get it. A lot of people aren't like the calorie in calorie out thing and, you know, diminished calories, whatever. But you're still if you're sitting there eating as much as you can possibly hork down of fat and meat, you're and you're not doing anything and you're doing it all day long. There's you know, those consequences are pretty, pretty basic. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of Dr. Bob. He's amazing. I love his books, love his work. Um, and what you're touching on really, Michelle is, is the truth of it all, which is that people are lazy. People want it easy. They're looking for a magic pill or a silver bullet. Oh, you mean I can do this and eat as much as I want and still lose weight. Perfect. That's why they get in trouble. Because it's like the gummies running around on uh, social media. It drives me nuts. I can't delete them fast enough. Uh, it's just enough. I'm like, because people are some people and and whatever we want to say about their their character or their personality for doing it or let themselves get they do it to themselves but they're now yeah. in this desperate situation where they want you know something so badly and they're not willing to put the effort or the money or maybe don't have the money into a proper program but they're they're going to be suckers for all of that stuff and they know it and that's why that stuff works and it's a shame it's a shame well, I'll tell you about the money you know, I, it's one of my favorite things to hear from people. I can't afford it. I don't have the money. You're lying to yourself. I don't care who you are. If you message me to look for coaching, you can afford it. No, I don't. I have kids and I have this. 
I have lied. I have cheated. I have stolen. I have taken out loans. I've taken out loans to pay off loans. I've taken out loans to pay off drug dealers. I've taken out loans to pay off the drug dealer loans on loans. When it's something you want, when it's something you truly need, there is nothing you won't do. You will pawn stuff. You will sell stuff. You will give blood. You don't want to pay it. You don't want to give up these other things that would require you or rather to sacrifice, to commit to this so much. Totally. Well, and they look at how much they spend, well, in two areas, but a lot of people don't realize it till the pinch, but on their medical bills for their bad health or on their food bill. Like yeah. I have this conversation sometimes with my daughter about how for one, the cost of one fast food meal, and nowadays that's 15, 20 bucks, you could cook for two weeks for yourself at home. And people who say that healthy food is too expensive are that there's another lie. Um, you know, it's it's not um, any more expensive than paying for all those bad oils and all that fried crap. So, yep, I, I, I did a, ran an experiment in 2021 where I was eating eating for less than $50 a week in Manhattan shopping at Whole Foods Columbus Circle. I can't even imagine what Whole Foods runs there. Here in Arizona, it's high enough. I can't imagine. <laughs> and able to do it heartily, healthily, running marathons and fit as a fiddle and having successful businesses and feeling great in life for less than $50 a week. So, you know, people for the most part just don't want to give it up. They know it's out there. Awareness is 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 so easily attainable now. Ignorance is not an excuse. It's just people don't want to believe it. They don't want to know. They don't want to accept it because it's easier to be sick, scared, and stupid. And I think so, that's the same for exactly how you came out of. Um, and I, I yes, some of it I guess was addictions, but also some of your other the lifestyle you were choosing for yourself at that time. Um, and that's what it all is, really. Everybody gets hung up on terminology like diet or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is it's a lifestyle. And I love your saying, don't tell me you won't tell me or don't tell me you can't tell me you won't, because I think that's really when it comes down to it. Um, they either want somebody to come and hold their hand and do it for free. Or they're just they're just not going to do it, and they just want to have a pity party where somebody listens to their stuff. And um, you, it, it is a decision, and it's a decision only you can make for yourself. And if you're not gonna, then don't drag me in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do love to say that. That's very true. You know, don't tell me you can't do it. Tell me, tell me you won't. But really, just tell me you don't want to. I know that's the answer. I know that's the answer. I'll respect you more if you just say, no, I'm not going to do it. Okay. I respect that. Good for you having that accountability and a personal ownership. But we both know the real answer is just because you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that what I've seen from your program and stuff, and we didn't have the time to maybe go into grand detail here. I'd love to have a follow-up podcast maybe sometime. I wanted more to talk about truly... I have in my um, childhood and throughout my life had some similar situations where I, I'm not going to put it off on anybody else. I got myself into those and coming through them is is very a personal decision. And your willingness to be transparent and raw just caught me uh, by the heart because that is what I'm walking, re-walking through writing my book too. And it's amazing to look back and say, wow you know, look at where I am, look at how this has gone. 
and um, and then the miracles and the gratefulness that nobody died, you know, while drunk driving home or whatever the case may be. So yeah. I, I thank you so much for us being able to finally uh, make this work and uh, for you coming on. And I'd love to have you back and we could talk about um, your program and how people can get engaged. But I will have all of your connection information in the show notes. So if anybody wants to connect with Jake, uh, I want to thank you all for coming to class. And uh, again, all of his uh, IG or website, if you want to get some information, but don't reach out to him if you're going to just say you won't. <laughs> so let's thank uh, Jake for coming today. And I want to class dismissed.